Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. All right, we're up and ready to go. Good to be back in the house of the Lord tonight. Uh, thank you again for joining us. And uh, I've got a special guest to my right over here tonight. And uh, Bishop Kylie is going to open us up in prayer for this evening uh, before we get into our fireside chat. So let's get together and go to the Lord in prayer and, and invite him into our homes, invite him into our service, and especially into our hearts tonight as he speaks to us uh, through his word. Jesus, we are so thankful tonight to be able to gather around your word, to be a part of the best of the situation we can have. We pray, Lord, your blessing on our time together. We pray for those who are ill tonight. We especially pray for brother and sister Schultz, that you will touch them, and brother Schultz will receive his healing tonight, and Becky and Steve Whitman. Steve is in Freighter Hospital. We pray, Lord, that you will touch him, put your hand on his forehead tonight. We pray for a divine healing in his life, and that your grace will be sufficient for these families. Anoint us tonight, Lord, and anoint each and every person that hears this message. Let them be encouraged and know that you're still in charge and that you will always make a way, and we will give you the thanks and praise. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, If you got our uh, email blast and you saw our posts on social media, uh, we wanted to do something a little different tonight, and uh, a fireside chat, and I wanted to invite the bishop in tonight and talk to about a topic that, first of all, is very near and dear uh, to our hearts, and we have a very special connection in this area, but also uh, having had this conversation about the word, about reaching out, getting outside these walls, I've had several in my conversations ask me questions about uh, Bible studies and, and how to get Bible studies, and, and boy, I'm interested in this, and I just don't know what to do. I've had several tell me that uh, uh, they just never thought they would ever be a person that could do that type of a thing, and, and I'm not good enough for that. I don't know the word enough, and so forth, and so... I thought it would be uh, fun and interesting uh, and certainly uh, very uh, important uh, to to get together with uh, uh, Brother Kylie and myself, and we decided to formulate our our, uh, topic for tonight, Home Bible Studies, 10 Steps, 10 Secrets to Get a Yes. And of course, that is, is to get a yes when you ask somebody, hey, would you like to join me in a Bible study? Would you like to be a part of our Bible study? So we're going to dive into that topic tonight, and we've got some great stuff. Uh, First and foremost, I think I'd like to tell the story a little bit uh, about when I was first here many years ago now, 20-some years ago, a young man. uh, I was desiring to teach. I I was in that same position. I didn't feel like I was capable. Uh, I I was afraid. I I didn't want people to reject me. Uh, But I I was so hungry to be effective for the kingdom. I wanted to do something. And so I approached my pastor and expressed my heart to him. And and I said, Pastor, I just don't know what to do. I want to learn. And uh, so he extended an invitation to me uh, to join him uh, at his house, Brother and Sister Kylie. And we had a night uh, there with a couple. uh, And I sat in with him and began to watch and observe and learn. And uh, and from there, uh, we we shared a lesson together after that, if I remember correctly, Brother Kylie. And uh, and then at one point, he said, okay, next week is going to be your opportunity. You're going to teach the next lesson. Of course, I was terrified and did did everything I could to prepare. Um, But I muddled my way through it. And it began my time of teaching Bible studies, which then turned into... Um, I, I don't even know how many, I never kept count, but uh, that was what got me started and, and made me feel like I was confident enough and I had the ability enough uh, to be able to, to get, a, get one together and get it going. So what I wanted to do is share that and in uh, our ideas, some of our ex- uh, successes, uh, first of all, just getting a yes. What can we do? How can we empower everybody who's really interested in to get them intrigued uh, to become a Bible study? Well, the first is that big hurdle, is getting over the how do you get the yes. And so we're going to dive into that topic tonight. So we're going to give you a few points on that. Anybody that's interested after that, we got a couple of surprises at the end of our presentation we're going to talk about. So hang in, don't leave us, because uh, we got a couple of neat things that we're going to do at the end. Um, but I'm going to let Brother Kylie get started on his first key point. All right. Um, 
I think that first we have to be willing to be a student. Teachers are first students. They learn to study the material, become familiar with it, and confident before they teach. So I think if you first have to be willing to be a student and to take notes when you sit in a Bible study, it's, it's not just an entertainment time, but take a pen and write down some key things, and that becomes a worksheet and a template for eventually you becoming a teacher. My pastor used to say, if you don't feel confident, confident enough to be a teacher, you need to be a student. And so he would encourage us to sit in Bible studies until we are confident enough to teach. I wanted to share this with you. Um, it was a story that I have used in Bible studies countless times. And it's a story of two women that were in the backyard one day talking. And one lady said to her neighbor, she said, I have a set of books that I have found to be extremely interesting. And I would like to loan you these books for whatever amount of time you need and I'd like to, you to be able to tell me what you think. And so the woman took the books from her neighbor and went home and started reading the book, and she was not interested at all. She said, I, I just couldn't get a hold of it. I wasn't interested, so I put them away. I didn't want to offend my neighbor by saying anything negative. And before she ever asked me again, within one month, the neighbor came back and said, you know those books I gave you a month ago? the person that wrote those books is going to be speaking at a ladies' luncheon. And I would like to invite you to that ladies' luncheon. And so the lady decided to go with her neighbor friend and went to the luncheon, and the speaker did not talk about her books. She talked about her life. And she gave her testimony about all that she'd been through. And the lady that was not interested in the books all of a sudden saw where this woman was coming from, and because she felt she had now a connection with this lady, she had a different view of the books and was very interested in, in them. The reason I tell you that story is because sometimes people pick up their Bible and they say, I just can't get into this. Maybe you need to approach it from another direction. Maybe you need to get to know the author. And then the books become entirely lively to you. They have much more significance. So I wanted to share that story with you in case you ever wanted to um, share it with any of your friends. And I heard what uh, Pastor Cordell just said. Oh, I wanted to say this too. Pardon me for saying this, but um, I think that throughout this process, our pastor has done an outstanding job of steering this ship. You know, when we go through times like this, it's good to know that there's somebody at the wheel that is calm, is praying, and is doing everything they can to be positive, to be evangelistic, and to steer this ship in the right direction. So this was not solicited, but I wanted to compliment you, Pastor. You're doing a great job. Oh, thank, thank you, you for Brother that. Kelly. I appreciate that, buddy. So the, the, we're going to talk about some of the things that, that we have experienced that will help uh, have helped us and maybe will help you in teaching home Bible studies. First of all, and jump in anytime. Uh, so before you, for, before you go, sure. I, think, I think you made a very good point there right off the bat, and that is hopefully everybody that's watching and understands that they're going to get some really, really good key information, pearls of wisdom. Hopefully everybody's got a pad of paper in their hand and has a pen in their hand and is being a student, just like you said. That's how you taught me, and that's why so often you'll see Pastor Kylie and myself in the front row, we've got a notepad in hand and we're writing notes. I never see you at a service without a notepad, always prepared to take notes, waiting for God to speak to you and being a good student of the word. That's really a big key, so I wanted to give you accolades on that. There's an anointing that comes with the word. And so it's not the speaker that's the most important thing, it's the word. And God is no respecter of persons. I think I read that somewhere in the Bible. <laughs> and so everybody has the opportunity to be used of God. And I think we put too much on ourselves and not enough on the word and the anointing that God brings with his word. So you might want to take that down as a note. I believe... Um, and I push this really hard because I saw it work at my home church 
and I've seen it work here for 40 years. This is an apostolic ministry. This doesn't go out of style. It stays, and it grounds people, and, and it and helps them to increase in their faith. So it's an apostolic New Testament principle to teach home Bible studies from even house to house. So um, I think that we've learned a lot together over the years about how to reach people with the word in their home. Um, so we are fulfilling a, a, the apostolic purpose. I would also say that we are commissioned. Matthew 28 and 19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. We have this responsibility. Verse 20 says, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And listen to this, home Bible study teacher. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. So God is always with you in these Bible studies and the sharing of the word that people so desperately need. Wouldn't you agree? Pastor? Yes, sir. Absolutely. You know, and I think it speaks to, uh, which was the, 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 the first point that I, I came up with when we were developing our list. It speaks exactly to, and you mentioned earlier, you know, we're going through, obviously, an, an incredibly challenging time, unprecedented. We've covered all that before. Um, but this is an opportune time for the church. I believe that, that hearts will be much more prepared. People will be ready. Uh, it might take a few asks. It might be difficult to get to the person who says yes, but if you give it enough chances, I believe that this time could be preparing people's hearts to receive the word. And we've talked many times about getting outside these walls. What can we do to take everything that we have here, the bounty and the blessing and the word and the teaching and worship and all the stuff that we have in here and, 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 and not hide it under a bushel, but get it outside these walls. And so to, to really compliment what you said, uh, Brother Kylie, uh, mindset I think we need to be in a mindset, and, and I believe personally, I believe everybody, every single person should at least be trying to give this a shot. Think about how can I teach a study? How can I get involved? And so mindset is just simply, in my view, just deciding, I'm going to do it. Just get a hold of this and say, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to try to become a teacher. Decide. Pray about it. Put some focus. You, you really got to change gears in your mind and just decide in your mind, I'm going to be a Bible study teacher. That's the experience I had when I learned from you. Um, so one of the things you can do is just begin to envi envision your ideal situation, it, whether it's maybe you, you like to have coffee and, and just talk to people about the word over coffee. Maybe it's a home around the dining room table like we did at your house uh, or, or like I've did at my home and I've gone to other locations. Um, but every day, look for an opportunity to share your testimony and the word and see if a Bible study opportunity is there. It just has to become who we are. Period. End of story. Time is too short. We don't know where this world is headed right now. Uh, but I do know that we've got an enormous opportunity uh, to reach people. Get up in the morning. Thank God for the breath in my lungs. God, give me somebody that I could share with today. I think that's the first key point. And I, I think the opportunities can come from any number of directions. And since you just said that, Pastor, I would say this. Let me share this very brief story. This happened to me this morning. Um, I was out on my prayer walk and I was about 300 yards from home coming back and there was a bit of a traffic jam somewhere near my driveway and a lady had stopped in traffic. Apparently a dog was wandering in the street and she didn't want anybody to hit the dog so she stopped traffic to rescue this dog. And as I approached her, she finally caught the dog. She put it in her arms. She went to the car to get back in her car, and here she had locked herself out of the car. Um, nobody else stopped to help her, and there she stood with a dog in her arms, wondering, what am I going to do now? And she saw me walking on the trail and began walking toward me, and I could see the desperation she felt in her face. Here's a lady without a, a husband, and she's, um, I found out she lived in McQuanago. What am I going to do now? And she's, as I approached her, she said, is there any way you can help me? I, I'm in a bad situation. And I said, I'm out on my prayer walk, so this must be an appointment that I'm supposed to have with you. 
I said, I live 100 yards from here, and I don't have a cell phone. She wanted my cell phone, but I don't take a cell phone on my walk. And, but I said, I'm 100 yards from my house. I took her to the house. I called the police. The police said they'd be there shortly. And I had a captive audience in my living room with an opportunity to witness. You don't have to be a genius to figure out that this was a divine appointment. And we had a wonderful opportunity to talk about the Lord and about the church. You never know when these opportunities are going to come up. And you have to be ready for them. They could ha you think that it only happens at your job or, or with your next door neighbor. But it can happen in a grocery store. It can happen on a walking trail. It can happen when you're mowing the lawn. Any number of occasions. And as Pastor just said, you've got to wake up with the attitude, who am I going to minister to today? Yep. What is on your schedule for me today? And if you do, he'll show you when and who. You know, it makes me think of a, it makes me think of a question. For those of you that, that know Jesus Christ, you've had this awesome apostolic experience. You've repented of your sins. You've been saved. You've been baptized in Jesus' name. You've been filled with his Holy Spirit. How many of you would look back at that person who first talked to you and said, ah, I wish they hadn't bothered me with this? Think about that for a second. Anybody here regret the person that made the decision to come and say, hey, I'd like you to be in, involved in my Bible study. Would you be interested in coming to my house and talking about the word of God? I don't regret it. No, but a, that's a really good point, Pastor, because they felt the way that you feel now. They were afraid, <laughs> but they took a chance. Yes. And maybe they got a lot of rejections previously, but you were the one that God had prepared, and they stepped out boldly. And now, freely, we've received. Absolutely. And that's, it's our turn to give. Yeah, so good. Um, so leading to my next point, uh, after mindset, um, I believe that one of the things that we have to do, we've talked about it so many times over the years, you really need to know your testimony. And you might say, well, pastor, I know my testimony. Of course, I was there. I get that right? But when I say know your testimony, I mean, have it well-versed. If you have the opportunity, if someone were to come up to you and say, hey, you look like one of those Christian people that goes to church all the time. What's your story? Are you prepared for that? What would you say? How would you, how would you express exactly what it is in a short period? We used to call it in sales, the elevator speech, that three minutes, maybe two to three minutes of time that you've got a captive audience that you can tell your company story. We call that an elevator speech in sales. What's your elevator speech? It's got to be succinct. You want to be powerful with it and meaningful. And, and share it with enthusiasm. This is the gateway. Your testimony is a gateway to be able to ask the question, would you be interested in, in studying the word of God with me, being in a Bible study, coming to my, my class, or however you word it? But knowing your testimony and knowing how to give it are two really specifically different things. So my recommendation is just sit down, think about what would be meaningful to the other person. They don't need every single detail of every aspect of the process leading up to you coming to church, but what they need to know are the highlights, those powerful things that God did to change you. And that's gonna be a gateway to the next step, I think, is to ask for the testimony, I mean, for the Bible study. Yeah, I, I think we need to be more patient as well. Uh, our testimony is something that is irrefutable. I'm pausing for effect. <laughs> it's irrefutable. It, it really happened to me. You can't refute that. And then after that, I think that you have to be able to help this person to, to see that God wants to do something special with their life too. There really is a purpose for them being here. And perhaps they haven't discovered that yet. And if God can reveal that to you, everything that God reveals to you and you share in your testimony builds faith in them that God could do something special with their life. I would encourage you not, I like the three minute idea, the elevator speech. I like it because if you hammer people with the word of God and even shove the plan of salvation down their throat right away, I believe you're making a huge mistake. I think you need to be patient, 
Love people, That's pray good. for people, take your time. What's the rush? And, and give them a chance to ask questions. You know, I, something I learned along with that is, and in, in, in the testimony isn't always the way that, that you can open. It's just a great way to lead to that ask question. But another, maybe an alternative way that you can look at this, or maybe call it a plan B, is just people knowing that you're a Christian, people knowing that you have faith and so forth. So many times over the course of, of my life, after I learned to do this and I learned from you and, and learned to, to take that risk to, to make the ask, sometimes it was just a matter, a coworker, uh, recognizing that they, you had an open door of conversation or maybe they had something going on in their lives. They look stressed. They're having a challenging day. And I developed a little repertoire, almost like a t- testimony, but, but just kind of an introductory repertoire where sometimes I would just simply say, you know, hey, you know, Bob, are you, is everything going okay today? You look like you're having a tough time. Well, you know, I'm having this challenge or whatever. And I would immediately lead to say something like, well, Bob, you know I'm a person of faith, right? I, I just, I'm a person of faith, I believe in prayer. Would, you, would it be okay if I prayed for you? And just open with something like that. So many times, just making that introduction and the willingness just to pray has opened the door. I've spoken to and shared my testimony because of that with all kinds of people from all walks of life alternative lifestyle people and people of different cultures, people of different faith backgrounds have allowed me to open up and share a testimony with them and talk specifically about the word of God just because of that step. This is, I know we're gonna get to 10 steps in a few minutes, but I I feel that we need to share this, at least this one step that pastor just brought up. Listen, (laughs) listen to people you've heard me say it before God gave you two ears and one mouth we should listen twice as much as we speak and if people can talk to you and feel comfortable that that you're not judging them or you're not harsh and and you really care about them the opportunity is going to arise they're going to get there you're going to have to be patient but they want to be heard people want to be heard Mm. And if you will just say, talk to me about anything. I'm, I'm here to help. I want to be your friend. That tears the guard down, you know. And so if you're listing 10 things, make sure you put the word listen down. Listen to them. And when they pause, you'll know when it's time to speak. Right. We might have a little bit more than 10. But I, I absolutely agree. It's so important to, to hear and in another way that that works is, and, and, and I guarantee you, and, and I know that this is something we discussed way, way back, a long time ago, is taking a chance. Take the chance. You might mess it up the first couple of times, but you know what? They don't know the script. They don't know what it is we're supposed to say. We know what we're supposed to say. So you might stumble, you might fumble, you might get rejected, turned down. That's okay. But after you do it a couple of times, after you make that step and you, you, you make that effort a couple of times, it gets easier and easier. Just like anything in life, it gets just a little bit easier to pretty soon you get to a place, and I know you've had this, I've had it, where I was able to go over and talk to someone and say, I really felt impressed that, that God is, wants me to speak to you. Would you be interested in talking about the word or, or something along those natures? Right, because along the lines of listening, it's not just listening to them, it's listening to God. Yes, that's Because it. God's going to give you the words. That's yes. what his word said. He promised he mm-hmm. would provide the words. And if you can listen to him and speak the truth in love, you will meet their need. So it's, it's listening to not only them, but it's listening to God. And I would give this illustration uh, as well along those lines. Most people are not born with the ability to swim. They have to learn how to swim. And some people are so afraid of swimming that they won't go anywhere near the water. But if you haven't taken the time to make an effort as to learn how to swim to some degree, what would happen if you ended up being thrown overboard in an accident and, and you didn't know how to swim? You would surely drown. So sometimes you've got to take some lessons, but eventually you've got to wade out into the water. 
And you've got to trust what you've learned. And you've got to take a chance. Somebody took a chance with you. It paid off. You take a chance with them. Sooner or later, it'll pay off. Right. Uh, and one of the things, that, again, that I learned really early on, uh, Pastor shared this with me, and I've carried it. I've taught other people to teach this way. There is so much unbelievable joy in fulfillment in teaching someone, teaching a study, getting, getting one in there, even if you struggle through it. First and foremost, you taught me that you learn more than the people. And that is a fact. Preparing for the studies, getting everything ready and diving in causes you to learn more. You actually come out. I, I, so many times I remember driving home from Bible studies that I was teaching, you know, hour-long Bible studies that go two and three because they're so hungry and they want more and they ask tons of questions and it didn't, it's into a conversation. And you drive home and you're just, you're totally spent and, and you're like this, but you're riding on cloud nine. Because you just feel the joy and you did something so important for the kingdom and you filled somebody with the word of God. It's powerful and it propels you to the next opportunity and it feeds that so that you want to keep doing it. That's one of the things I remember learning very early and it, it absolutely worked like that. There, there is no greater joy than feeling that God has used you to help somebody else and uh, you know, I would just be repeating what you just said. You said it very well. It's, you've heard me say it before. I would rather teach a home Bible study than preach a sermon because there is an instant gratification. When you look into the eyes of your student, that student that you have been praying for, fasting for, studying the word for, and, and, and all of it comes to a culmination in just a few hours in that evening, and you see their li eyes light up, and you know they're getting it. Oh, yes. They, they've had this revelation that you had. What could be greater than that? What could you purchase that would give you greater joy than to know that you're helping somebody pre be prepared for eternity? They're just, it's matchless. It's joy unspeakable. Don't you and, wish you could, you could just pass that on to people before they start teaching just so they could feel a little bit of it and be just driven to go teach? I've felt that so much. Well, and that's the reward, I think, of right. taking a risk. Yeah. There's no, there's no reward if there's no risk. You, you have to take a chance. And 90% uh, of what you fear will never happen. Right. That's good. And so many times, we talked about this before in our preparation, uh, the stories we could tell, we could go all night. Uh, uh, the lady uh, in my study, I had a group of about eight or ten people. She's struggling, struggling, struggling with understanding the oneness of God. Uh, came from a, a tradition, faith background, was really stuck in one way of thinking, couldn't get it. We're in the middle of a study. Every study we were talking about it. What about this? What about that? What about this? And, and eventually, she, I, I just had to move on with the study. We're in the middle of a different lesson. She's got the Bible open in front of her in her lap. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she jumps up, literally jumped off the couch with the Bible hand, in her hand and said, I get it, I get it, I see it. Jesus is manifest, God manifest in the flesh. He's God manifest, you know, and, and she got the revelation of the oneness right there in the middle of our Bible study. And she thanked me and thanked me. She was weeping. And, and, and so many times having things like that, we did altar calls at the end of our Bible studies. We prayed people through to the Holy Ghost right after Bible studies. Those are the amazing things that can happen when you just take the effort and get to be a part of something like that. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> Don't forget to pray. Um, this, I'll, I'll make this story short. Um, what Pastor just said, I, I spent several hours with my aunt in Wisconsin Dells. I had all the scriptures on the oneness of God. Backward and forward, I could teach it. And I gave it to her for hours, and she never got it. And it was late at night, and I went to my bedroom, and she went to her bedroom. And in a half an hour, she was pounding on my door because she saw it. Oh, wow. And I said, <laughs> what was it that I said? She said, it wasn't what you said. I knelt down next to my bed, and I asked God to show me if this was real. And he did. And I learned a valuable lesson. This revelation does not come from man. 
Blessed, and, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father. You've had a divine revelation. So if you're frustrated with them not getting it, pray more, talk less. There you go. That's good. My, uh, my next point, uh, uh, if I can dive one, uh, jump one in here, uh, Brother Kylie, is, is um, the word does the work. The word does the work. You gotta keep this in perspective. And what do I mean by that? Again, something I learned in our first studies that we did together. I got so tied up in trying to be perfect at knowing all of the word and I kept thinking, I don't know the Bible well enough. I don't know it well enough. And I remember you telling me the word does the work. In other words, you don't have to be clever. You don't have to be a great speaker. You don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to be able to pronounce all the bible words the right way. What you have to do is just deliver the word. The word of God is so powerful. It, it's so incredibly anointed in and of itself. It's alive. It's literally Jesus alive in his word that just you delivering it, you sharing those words it does what it needs to do all by itself. You don't have to be magical with it. And when you gave me that and you took that pressure off of me, and, and it, it really did, it took the pressure off of me to sort of perform the word. I just went to these Bible studies and I shared it as the lessons, and I let God do the rest, and it did. People got the Holy Ghost. People came and got baptized. The word will not return void, but it will accomplish that which pleases him. And so that's exactly 100% accurate. Let the word do the work. Um, I think that we, let me give you another point. If I can, I think you did a good job of presenting that. Let me give you another point. Number one on the list in getting a home Bible study is ask. Ask. Now think about this for a minute. James, um, let me read just a portion of James 4 and 2. You have not because you ask not. Maybe you don't have a Bible study because you haven't asked for one. Maybe you should start there. He said, you ask and you receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. Now, this is my interpretation. The reason that we don't have more home Bible studies is because we're afraid to ask and God might say yes. And he might give us somebody and we got this long list of excuses that we're attacking here tonight, but we need to ask for one. We're asking for the wrong things. We're asking for things that will make our life more comfortable and more pleasurable. We should be asking for the opportunity to be used of God. One of the greatest books I ever read was a book by Alan Oggs. And in the book, he titled the book, You Gotta, gotta Have a Want To. to. <laughs> do you want to teach a home Bible study? Really, do you? If we can convince you that what has happened with us can happen with you, why wouldn't you want to? But you're going to have to ask for the right thing. I believe that God does things in two ways, and then I'll give pastor a chance to talk on this, but he, for his first choice is to speak to you gently, the still small voice that we like to refer to that happens right here in your mind. That's his first choice to direct you. That's the leading of the spirit. But if he can't get through to you that way, he will, what Paul called, he will prick you. He will prod you with a stick, with a sharp point, pushing you in the direction that he wants you to go, almost forcing you to confront what he wants you to deal with. And so it is easier and better, I think, to just say, God, hey, I'm willing, I'm available, I want a home Bible study, I'm praying for one, speak to me and let me know, rather than to have to be kind of prodded into something that you're a little less comfortable with. You gotta have a want to. Ask. That's good. That's a, that's a, that one should have a star next to it on the list. <laughs> uh, mine that would, would probably come maybe right after that or right in that vicinity, I think, is, is another critical point. Uh, and, and before I say that, I, I, think it's, I think it's appropriate to be somewhat poignant uh, on this aspect. It's very clear that we're called, that Jesus is expecting us to bear fruit. There's very, very 
poignant and specific verbiage in his ministry that talks about the trees that don't bear fruit. And I think we can all figure out that when he says bear fruit, he, he doesn't necessarily mean that you just are nice to people and, and uh, you're just a kind person and you show up for church every week and you give your offering, etc. Certainly those are important parts of being a Christian person. But I think we can all ascertain from Scripture and from Jesus' purpose that bearing fruit means planting seeds, creating this opportunity for people to find God. We have a responsibility. Absolutely. Um, Everything that God created, he created with the idea that it would produce, reproduce after its kind. That's lesson one in Search for Truth. There you go. The seed is in us to reproduce. You say, well, how does that relate to us spiritually? The word of God is the seed that is planted in our lives when we're born again. And that seed is meant to be reproductive in other people's lives. That's why he talked about the sowing, the parable of the sower. The seed, he said, was the word of God. So when the word is in us and we share the word, the opportunity for reproduction now is a beginning process. And there will be one of four results. So it's a natural thing for us to reproduce after our kind. Amen, that's right. And isn't it interesting, if you look at the parable of the sower, 75% of the seed fails. So you know what? You're going to be rejected a lot. You're going to be turned down quite a bit. You're going to have people just say no. But that's okay because 25% of the, of the seed falls on good soil. And, and we've done what Jesus has asked us to do, and that is to seek and to save with him that which is lost. And, and so I think it's poignant to remember that. And, and I'm just, for those who maybe have said, uh, I've given up on that, it's never worked, I, I'm, I'm just not a Bible study teacher, uh, I, I don't want to try that again. I, I just want to urge everybody in this age, in this time, considering everything that's happening in our world right now and, and what we're facing, I think now more than ever our call is, is very clear and that is to see what we can do. Now maybe immediately, you're not an immediate Bible study teacher, but as you said, Pastor, uh, be, be a learner. Host one. Have someone come over. You know, uh, and I'll get to that in just a minute in one of my points. But I think before we revi- resigned ourselves to be retired from that process, we really need to rethink that. If, we, if we've decided, oh, I'll never, I'll never get a Bible study, I can't do it, we need to rethink that. There are so many resources right here in this church available to help you with that process. So my next point really is a very simplistic one, but I think it's one that is, is important. Another sales term we always used to use back in the day was uh, you can't hit a target, you can't see. And so I think a very key point on our list uh, that we're making tonight of, of uh, 10 secrets to get the ask or get the yes on the ask is make a list. You should have in your mind at least five names, in my opinion, five names, very simple. And that list could grow and grow and grow. And if it does, God bless you for doing so. But you need to write some names down. Uh, and, and I think we could do it right now. If you've got your pen and paper in hand, I encourage you right now, who would you love to have in a Bible study group with you right now? Who is it that's it's on your heart or on your mind? Friend, neighbor, coworker, family member. Five names. Just take your pen and your paper right now. Just whoever comes right to your mind, whoever God puts immediately to your mind and your heart, write those names down. Through the course of this time and as you're thinking about this and God's dealing with you in it, add more names to your list. Pray about that list. Pray about that opportunity. But we've got to have those names in front of us or we're never going to do it because if you get up in the morning and you do your devotion time, you pray and you get God involved in your day and when you go about your business focusing on work and and life and all those things, if you don't have these names in your heart and on your mind, you're not going to try. You're not going to call them. You're not going to make that effort. And I can tell you from my personal experience in life, when I've had those names, I've had to cross some out. They just won't do it. But there's names that were on my list that I made sure to get to, 
And I had at least the opportunity to share some of the word, do many Bible studies, on-the-spot Bible studies, salvation message Bible studies. You know, the old, what does apostolic mean? You've heard me talk about that, right? <laughs> Take my big breath and, and things like that. But you've got to have a list. I, I think this is without question. Got to have a target. Uh, one man said, you can't hit the broad side of a barn. Well, you can if you aim at the center of it. And, and, and you got to know what the target is. I would also say this to you. Um, Henry Aaron was one of the greatest baseball players of all time. And one day a, uh, a writer approached him and said, Mr. Aaron, do you know what your batting average is? And Mr. Aaron said, son, he said, I will do the hitting and you can do the figuring. And we need to understand something. We have never healed one person. We have never saved one person. If we're not going to take the glory, then we can't take the blame. Our job is to get out there and hit. That's our job. Let God keep score. Let him figure all that stuff out. Okay? And I, I agree. Some people, if you pray for them, and after a, an extended period of time, they're not responding, cross them off and put somebody else on there. But have a target. Be consistent in your prayer, watch for your opportunity, and hit as many targets as you can. Absolutely. Wasn't it Wayne Gretzky, the great NHL hockey player, that said, I've missed every shot I haven't taken? Absolutely right. <laughs> Very good. Uh, my next point on the list then is another simplistic one, but I, I think it's very poignant. This is something my wife and I have done. Um, I think what you need to do, if you've decided in your mind that you're either going to host or you're going to teach or you're going to try to teach or at least have a conversation, decide the best night of the week. Uh, pick a time, a day of the week, or maybe two, just in case one doesn't work out for your target. You know, decide if you're married, get together with your spouse and say, hey, what, what's our night that we're willing to open our home and have a Bible study. For us, uh, we've had in the past, we've had Thursday nights. We decided Thursday nights is a good one for us. You know, six, seven o'clock, uh, that's perfect for our schedule. Uh, the alternative was Saturday mornings. We've done them on Saturday mornings. And that way we could give a person a couple of options. Now, sometimes even that doesn't work. So be flexible if you've got the opportunity. My goodness, if somebody says yes, don't say, oh, sorry, I can't do the study. That's not my night. But at least have in your mind a night or two of the week that is your fixed Bible study night or, or Saturday morning or, or Sunday after church or whatever it is, that that's your time. And, and you have to know that uh, so, because if you have the chance to get the invite, you don't want to fumble through that process and, oh, let me get back to you. If you've got somebody right there on the spot, this is a sales deal again, Brother Kylie. If you've got somebody right there on the spot and they're a buyer, you don't tell them to hold on, you'll get back to them later on. Yeah. <laughs> My manager would have fired me for that. You've got to be ready. And so very quickly you can say, hey, great, you know what? We love to do our Bible studies on Thursday nights. Would six or seven o'clock work? Or, uh, you know, or actually Saturday mornings is another one. How about a Saturday morning coffee? That way you've got them right on the spot and you can get that commitment. And it shows, number one, that you're prepared and you're professional at this thing. When you say to somebody, our usual Bible study night is such and such that communicates to them that, that you've done this before and it, it, it builds some confidence. What do you think? I think, that, I think that's absolutely right. And I think that initially when you start teaching home Bible studies, you're going to think it's a sacrifice. Oh, I have to give up a night a week to teach a Bible study or, oh, I have <laughs> to give up another night to study. You know, that's a lot of time to give up. But you know what? The reward is so great yes. oh my that goodness. you won't think of it as a sacrifice. You'll think of it as an opportunity and a joy uh, to teach home Bible studies. The mindset will begin to change once you start having success. But you you got to throw the dog in the water sooner or later. That's what right. it comes down to. That's right. And it's sink or swim. That's right. Well, uh, I'll, I'll take another one here if, you, if you're okay. Uh, again, these, these are pretty straightforward. Uh, I, say, I alluded to this a moment ago, but if you're not ready, if you, just, if you just feel like you're not ready to be the teacher, the front guy, and as I said, we, we talked about when I first got together with Pastor, find a teacher 
There, our, our church is full of them. We've got lots of teachers uh, that will teach yours. You host it or they do or whatever your arrangement is. But with forethought, find a person. Go up to someone and say, hey, I, talk to one of us. Hey, pastor, do you know someone in the church that's willing to teach? Or pastor, are you willing to teach? I certainly am. I'll teach for somebody, absolutely. But if you find a teacher, make that arrangement ahead of time and, and, and understand that the process is gonna be you're gonna teach some and, and then uh, uh, maybe I'll help you teach one and then maybe I can teach and then, then you get started, just like my experience was. Right. I, I think that was absolutely the best thing that ever happened to me was getting that experience to sort of wade into the water as you put it a moment ago. Uh, but find a teacher, get a partnership with someone you like and you wanna work with and, and be ready so that someday you are a teacher. Okay, here would be another bullet point for me uh, along with what Brother Cordell just said. I think that as a teacher, we sometimes get way ahead of ourselves and say, I can't, I can't teach the book of Revelation. I can't teach 12 lessons. You're not being asked to teach 12 lessons. You're being asked to teach one lesson. You only prepare one lesson at a time. Don't worry about the book of Revelation. By the time you get to Revelation, you're going to have a lot of confidence in, in seeing that God has used you for several weeks. Prepare one lesson at a time. Don't get ahead of yourself and make it a mountain, okay? That would be one thing I would say. And the other thing, another bullet I would give quickly would be relate to, to the, Brother Cordell would say, relate to your customer. What do you have in common? Uh, what, what are they interested in that you might be interested in as well? Maybe they're interested in cars and trucks. Maybe they're hunters or fishermen. Maybe it's sports. Is there a common ground that you can find that you can have discussion on and, and interact with? Relate to the people that you're trying to minister to. Um, I think those would be good points to kind of set the groundwork for eventually asking and popping sure. the question, so to speak. Builds a relationship. Pastor, I'd like you to talk too, if you don't mind jumping right on into, I love this part of, of your approach, the 12 hours, part of the invite. Okay, uh, I know we're, getting, we're probably getting a little bit short on time here, so let me tell you from my perspective what worked for me and, um, and has worked for me over the years. When I first came to a Pentecostal church, I had a lot of questions I was very skeptical. I was very argumentative. I loved to fight. And the person that invited me said this to me, and it completely changed the way that I approached him and, and my approach toward God. He looked me in the eye, Brother Cordell, and he said, Rick, he said, I have one question for you. If I asked you, if you would be willing to give one hour a week for 12 weeks to study the Bible with me and promised you that at the end of those 12 hours and those 12 weeks, you would know more about the Bible than you've learned in your entire life. And all the decisions are yours and we'll be friends no matter what you decide. Would you give 12 hours of your life to find a more meaningful relationship with God. Now, folks, how do you say no to that? 168 hours a week, and you can't find one hour to study the Word of God, and it could make an eternal difference in your life and in the lives of your loved ones? How do you say no to that? Right. And I couldn't. Right. I couldn't, I just couldn't say no. And so now you've heard it again, and you'll probably hear it till I go to my grave. Who can't give one hour a week to a home Bible study if it can make an eternal difference in your life and in the lives of those you love? So I think it's an approach that anybody can use. Absolutely. As an invitation to home Bible studies. You know, I've, I've never encountered somebody who, who didn't have some elements of questions about the Bible and the faith in the back of their minds. And so I use that approach many times to intrigue them. I'd, I'd say, I promise you, I promise you, you will learn more than you ever understood about the word of God. Absolutely promise you. Um, don't you have a question? Haven't you had something that you've always wondered about? I would ask this question. Yeah. Questions are powerful. 
when you're, when you're working with people because it allows them, like you said earlier, allows them to talk. And so I'd say, haven't you always wondered some things about what the Bible really says? Do you have a question? And every time, Brother Kylie, every time they'd say, well, yeah, you know, I, there's some things I've always wondered about. They're a little, you know, they're a little standoffish, a little skeptical, and, you know, they don't want to commit, you know, right away. Yeah, there's some things I want to know about. And it opens up that opportunity for conversation. Absolutely. The other thing that I would do, I kind of played with that a little bit, is, is I promised them that we would not move forward on anything after each lesson unless they invited me back. I said, let's do one. Give me one opportunity to, to intrigue you just a little bit Great about idea. the word of God. Yep. If you decide to invite me back, I'll come back and we'll keep going. And do you know that in all the years, since 20-some years ago when you taught me, in all the years I've taught Bible studies, I've never had someone say, except for the one we were in, that's a different story. Uh, that was my first one. But since then, I've never had someone say, nope, you're not invited back, we're done. They've always said, no, I, I want to know more. It, that's, that's the power of the word. That's what the word does to people. It makes them hungry to, to learn more. That's what's really neat yeah. about it. That, it. that is absolutely so encouraging. And, and you know, I, I have said this to students, and please hear me out before you, you judge what I'm about to say. I have an answer for every question that you have. And, and they said, oh, really? You have all the answers? I said, yes. <laughs> they said, well, what happens if you stumble with one? I'd say, well... Sometimes my answer is, I don't know. That's my answer. But by next week, by the time we get together next week, I'll have the answer to any question you ask. And I would go home, and so at first I would call my pastor. How many times I, did I call you? <laughs> yeah, oh, pastor, I can't figure this out. He said, did you study it? Did you look the word up? Did you, did you do a little word study on it? Well, no, he said, do that first. He forced me back into study. And he said, now, if you can't find it after you've made an effort, you call me back. And I'd have a lesson before I got back. So if that's another one of your fears, we just shot a hole in that one, too. Yeah. You have an answer. I don't know, but I'll get it for you. <laughs> and somebody in this church will be able to help you find the answers. Yeah, amen. All right, well, we're wrapping, kind of, kind of close to wrapping her up here. Did, is there anything else, Brother Kyler, that you wanted to add to the list to dive in? Because I've got something fun that I want to share with everybody. I'm, I'm excited about this. So what I did, now again, this was, this was all inspiration from that time. What I've got in my hand here is what I call my Bible study vault. Now this, this is over 30 years of accumulated information, things that I picked up from different places I went, classes I attended, Bible studies I attended. Brother Kylie, there's things in this vault that you gave me over 20 years ago. They were supplements that you had written because guess what? what's really neat about this is you can customize your Bible studies. Now, we've got, we've got a Search for Truth chart sitting here. I have the electronic version of Exploring God's Word. Uh, he's got the Search for Truth teacher's manual there. Uh, you can actually customize your Bible studies with things that you want to talk about, intriguing things that you learn. And so I remember uh, you created this. Uh, I'll pull it out here real quick. You created this timeline. Of, of how the churches came into, into existence, all the different types of denominations from, from the, the apostolic church in, in 33 AD, the book of Acts, uh, to the beginning of the Catholic church and, and all the different churches that, what a tremendous conversation piece this was and an educational piece. But over the years, I've gathered up all these different pieces. I've got articles in here on the oneness. I've got pieces on the Godhead, on tongues, on Daniel's 70 weeks, uh, uh, the rapture, uh, all these different things I've gathered. Uh, I, I've got all 12 lessons, multiple copies of all 12 lessons of exploring God's word, um, search for truth, and I've even got a couple of Bible studies in here I really like. Uh, Rightly Dividing the Word is a two-lesson study, a two-night study. Um, I've got some little pamphlet studies in here, things that I've gathered, Light for Living and, and uh, some of these Into His Marvelous Light and these little one-day studies. Uh, Bible study in a bag, things that I've gathered over the, over the years, things that people wrote. Here's, a, here's an essay that someone wrote that, that they gave me. Let me have a copy called uh, God's Musts and Warnings. Um, just some really neat things things that I've been able to incorporate over the years into my studies. I customized. So much so 
And I have to tell this quick story, in, and I joked about it just a second ago, but Brother Kylie invited me into this Bible study. It was my first one ever. I was getting ready to go into the part where you had me teach the, that my own lesson. Remember that? We were coming up into lesson six on exploring God's word. We had this couple in front of us, and so I'm all prepared, and I'm excited, and I'm getting ready to teach, and we're getting into the lesson, and all of a sudden, the husband looks at me, and he says, well, you don't believe this stuff is all real, do you? Remember that? And I, I, could, I didn't quite understand what he was saying. And, and, and he says, well, we don't, you don't think the Bible is actually the word of God. Like, this is real. These are a bunch of stories. And of course, we tried to refute, refute that and, and, and said, no, no, this is the inspired word of God. Well, the end of the story was they had no belief in the word as, as, as really the word of God. It wasn't an authority in their lives. I was crushed. I was so embarrassed and I felt terrible because I felt like I did something that, you know, failed them. You know, remember that? So what I did is I went home and I wrote my own one-page Bible study on the authority of the Word of God. And I determined that every Bible study I was going to teach after that, I would start with that lesson because I was going to determine immediately, do they believe the Bible is the Word of God or don't they? Because I didn't want to end up in a situation where I wasted all that time. Because, of course, you and I looked at each other and said, what in the world were they doing here if they, didn't, they don't believe the Bible, right? And so, now, the Bible can change that. A Bible study can certainly, if you have the opportunity, it can turn people, right, to, to, to start to get that revelation and that belief. But at least my piece made me feel more comfortable about establishing that at the beginning of every Bible study I taught. So I have my one-page Bible study and so forth. So, now, why did I tell everybody about this? Because here's the deal. For every one of our congregation, Brother Kylie, that goes out and gets a brand new Bible study, brand new person, and comes to me and says, Pastor, I got a new Bible study starting. I'm going to give them a full copy of my Bible study vault. 30 years of accumulated experience, articles, pieces, everything that I have. They can take it, they can leave it, they can put, put their own together, tear it apart, whatever they want to do, but I, I'm going to share my vault. I'll make copies of everything and put a vault together for them. On top of that, I'll make sure that I purchase a chart and a teacher's manual for every teacher that doesn't have one. Awesome. That's coming from me. So anyway, just wanted to share that with you. Um, there's tons of great stuff in here, but I can tell you that having this, now, so my vault goes with me everywhere I go. It's like this, so it's in my car. I can pull it out and I can tote it into a Bible study and if, if a topic comes up or somebody asks a question, I can pull that out, I can go to my topic. They wanna to know more about tongues. Hey, I've got this great article about why the Bible talks about tongues. But the really neat part of it was is gathering all of this stuff together, it, it forced me to study and to learn. It made me a great student of the Word of God. I don't see too many teachers backsliding. Because they've increased in knowledge, their faith is strong because it's in the word. They're not uh, based solely upon emotions. They're based upon the word. And the word will not be shaken. Amen. You are building on a rock, not on shifting sand when you build on the word of God. And if I can just throw this in, what an offer he just made to you. First of all, the Bible study he's teaching about, you need to ask for it and get a copy of it and take it to your Bible study. Um, it is excellent. I've used it many times, and it sets the foundation for the entire Bible study. This Search for Truth 2 that we brought here tonight that he's offering to you, it's the best I've ever seen. This teacher's manual is just packed with all kinds of history, scripture. It, you, we'll give you the tools, but you gotta go to work. Amen. All right, with this final note, I had this, you might have seen this, and I don't know if you can see it on the camera, uh, but I just brought this in as a little favorite saying of mine, and it was appropriate for tonight. But basically what it says, a disciple, and hopefully you consider yourselves a disciple, a disciple is someone who has moved from being the recipient of the church's mission to being responsible for the church's mission. And I want to tell you that the, this church's mission is to carry the word of God into our community. Amen. Learn, live, and love. The mission of this church that was founded on the principles that you taught me to help people to learn about Jesus, how to live for Jesus, and how to love like Jesus. 
And so with that mission, it's our job to be responsible uh, as a disciple. So, Pastor, thank you very much. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I enjoyed preparing it with you and sharing some old stories. We've got a million stories we could share with everybody, of course. Um, but this was a real joy. And um, we're wide open for anybody who's looking for teachers or, or just looking to, to learn. I've been asked again uh, to uh, restart my Teaching to Teach course that I've done several times in the past, so I'll try to get that fired up here very soon. Probably have to do it online, I guess. Uh, but we're available, and uh, this can be done even under quarantine. So, You know, maybe I can throw this in. Maybe you're not a member of Abundant Life. Maybe you're just observing this tonight, uh, and you've heard all of this, and you're interested Feel free to call the church, 262-965-5177. We'll be glad to help you get set up in a home Bible study. You will learn more in 12 hours than you've learned in your entire life. Absolutely. All right. Good night. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.